everyone, welcome to Beyond Sunday. Glad you can join us. We are live. It's Monday night at 7.30, and uh, I'm joined by Matt Warner and uh, Pastor Adrian from Walnut Creek, Creek Campus. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad you can join us. I want to welcome everyone uh, watching live. Glad you could be with us. Feel free to uh, hop on the chat and let us know uh, who you are, where you're watching from. And uh, if anyone has any questions along the way, feel free to ask them. And uh, hopefully we'll have time to address some of those questions. Uh, we, uh, every week, we have this conversation here at Cornerstone Fellowship. Uh, we unpack the sermon from this last week a little bit more. Um, try to pull some more things out of the sermon, out of the, out of the scripture that we're studying. This week we're in Psalms 23, and Pastor Steve Madsen gave a fantastic message um, unpacking this, um, probably the most famous uh, poem ever written in the history of the world. It's hard to uh, imagine a poem. Maybe recently, you know, Shakespeare wrote some, some um some things that maybe could rival it in terms of popularity and, and well-read, but in terms of an ancient historical text, nothing really tops Psalms 23. Um, but before we jump into that, um, I just wanted to just get personal with you guys and see how things are going with quarantine life, uh, with shelter-in-place life. As pastors, a lot has changed in terms of how we do ministry. Um, as your campus has been sheltered in place, what has that been like for you as a pastor? How have things been different? And what are you most proud of? Um, especially with you two, our Danville and Walnut Creek campus have a nice little competition going on in terms of which one is the best Cornerstone campus. So uh, this, could be, this could be a moment for you to brag a little bit as well. Well, it's really not even a comparison. I mean, we, we, we know which one's better, but, um, but uh, yeah, life is definitely different. Uh, being a, a pastor during shelter in place is obviously very different too, but um, people are still connected. People, you know, a lot of the Danville campus is still doing uh, Zoom meetings with their groups. And so um, it's just been great to jump on all those meetings and see people, but I'm super proud of, Danville's just done an awesome job. We, we raised about $7,000 worth of gift cards for under-resourced uh, families in our school district, which was cool. And then we did a um, dinner for the night shift at San Ramon Regional Hospital. And then we just donated a bunch of food to this great church out in Concord that has a great food pantry ministry. And they give food to over 230 families on every Tuesday. Wow. And they feed uh, people a meal on Wednesday nights. And so we're partnering with them because there's a great need out there. It's just been so cool to see Danville just step up and serve in a lot of cool ways. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and it's it's not a competition, but if it was, if we it know were. who'd be winning. Yeah, if it were, maybe, maybe people um, can vote in the no. chat. Yeah, if they've experienced. Other oh, things. let's do it! I need to start texting all the Walnut Creek people who's to start that? voting. Who's going to keep score? Yeah. I'll keep score. I do want to say hi to Amber and Marianne and Julia and Beverly and Janet. Thanks for joining us. All right, Adrian, go ahead. Oh well, yeah, like Matt has said, it's been it's very different, and Zoom has been great, even though. Uh, doing stuff online doesn't fill all of our needs for fellowship. It's been great to see groups of people get together on Zoom and to see those groups grow mm -hmm. and to see people even attending on service grow in Walnut Creek. And so that's exciting. And seeing our people mobilized to serve in our community um, to see Refuge is the organization that Matt was talking about. And 
to see the number of people who have started to donate financially to refuge because the need was so great in the monument corridor for people who've been furloughed or laid off families that couldn't afford groceries and the, the need is getting greater and um to be able to just this morning you know matt was there and i was there to be able to see the number of people from cornerstone uh danville and walnut creek volunteering to pick up groceries and deliver them to the place and be be sorted out and then packed is just exciting so it's really cool to see what god is doing what jesus is doing through his people right now in these unique circumstances and so it's been great and not that numbers matter but there were more people from <laughs> walnut creek there oh, today gotcha. than danville interesting interesting yeah and and for those people that are watching right now they may not even know where this started this this whole rivalry began gosh almost two years ago with compassion international where adrian and i challenged each other to see which campus could sponsor more and it pains me to say that walnut creek sponsored <laughs> 20 kids more they did like 80 kids in one year and we did about 60 yeah but you were a younger campus yeah um, you're so, like our little well, kid brother you bring up a good point, Chris, because if you look at the ratio of kids that were sponsored per adults that are in the services, Danville would have won. Oh, I got you. So in a way you did. Would win. have. Yeah. Would have. Right. Yeah. I think you said would have. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we love you and Danville. You're like our kid brother, you know, the, the younger brother who always wants to play basketball, but can never like beat the older brother. It's that same kind of relationship. That's kind of what uh, Giants fans say to A's fans. Oh, you're the cute little brother <laughs> in, a patron, in a patronizing way. Um, anyway, the people just tuned out. Yes, for sure. No, there's not that many A's fans. Um, <laughs> let's jump into our text for this week. Um, so we're in <laughs> Psalm 23, uh, as we mentioned, one of the most beloved texts there is. And uh, it's great timing for this as we're sheltered in place, as the world is dealing with this pandemic. Um, and filled with fear and anxiety and worry about what is to come, what is the world going to look like, what's happening with my job. To sit in this psalm is really good for our heart, our mind, our soul. What about this psalm as you've taken a fresh look at it the last week um, in the season that you find yourself in, what stands out to you about this psalm right now? Well, I know for me, um, just the whole way the world has changed, um, I just have noticed in myself just more of a dependence on the Lord, like, okay, God, we're going to trust in you. We're going to trust that you're going to take care of us. And it's interesting how that typically happens when we're, um, when things are out of our control, but when we feel like when we're in control, we may not be as dependent upon the Lord as we should be or could be. And the Psalm is really talking about how we should be dependent on the Lord, that we're sheep. And sheep are totally dependent on the shepherd. And so that was just a, a really good reminder for me this week of it's a really a, a position of our heart that we are dependent upon God. And um, that should be how it always is, whether or not things are good or bad in our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's what stood out to me as well as just the kind of the progression in this psalm of starting out with, you know, when, when you see Lord all in capital letters, that always means that uh, it was written Yahweh. And so in verse one, it says the Lord, but the real translation, it would say Yahweh is my shepherd, which is, um, man, it's such a loaded name for God. It's such a hierarchical, it's such a powerful name. And so it would have been the, the most formal way of referring to God because they wouldn't even have pronounced it. And that's why they put in Lord. And it moves through that where it's saying, 
the the king of all is my shepherd, which is a very intimate kind of relationship. He's the one, as Steve pointed out, who will who pull me out of thickets when I get trapped, who will pick stuff out of my wool that will feed me and care for me. This intimacy is there. And it's describing this amazingly, amazingly healthy relationship with Yahweh. Um, and then what I love is that it transitions in verse four and it turns into like a prayer mm-hmm. where he says, you know, I will fear, fear no evil. And then it pivots and says, for you, God, um, are with me, your rod. And he's talking straight to God in this intimate relationship that, you know, is pretty groundbreaking, pretty impressive. Um, and then, you know, it just transitions into the increased intimacy of like, and you know what, this is going to continue. And I'm going to live in the house of Yahweh all the days of my life into eternity, you know, forever. And that's, you know, this beautiful picture of it says Yahweh at the beginning and Yahweh at the end. And at the beginning, it's this, the idea they would have come with is very formal. And at the end, it's this intimacy of the care that a shepherd gives to his sheep. Um, And being with him in this intimate, intimate relationship forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love that flow. I love the description, the picture of a healthy relationship with God. Mm-hmm. It, this, um, for me, just in, I'm looking at it right now again, and I could also see, you know, this is David writing to Yahweh, to the Lord, to his, our creator, God, the father, but I can just as easily see the disciples writing this to Jesus. Right. Uh, because our, you know, new covenant shepherd relationship is, is us and, and the Lord is, is Jesus, is our relationship with Jesus. And so, you know, you could see um, as God, as Jesus called the disciple out of fishing and, and to follow him and they're sleeping in the fields and they're by the, the Sea of Galilee yeah. um, and he's, he's guiding them and showing this way to do for his own name's sake. And then um, you could see the disciples writing this um, as Jesus is going to the cross. You know, they're they're going through the the valley of the shadow of death, and um, and he's still with them. And then um, he comes out on the other side. Um, it's yeah. like it's like this whole this whole poem could have been written by the disciples in the way that Jesus shepherds us and the way that he shepherded them over those two and a half three years yeah. that he was with them. So I even think we could each kind of write our own version of this. That is our personal experience with Jesus shepherding us or the Lord shepherding us. um, As we look back into the seasons of our life where, whether it was good or bad, whether we were in plenty and there was green grass or we were in the Valley, we could look back and see, you know, how Jesus was there and how he was present. And oftentimes it's hindsight where we recognize that best and we need those reminders to look back into our past to remind us right now that he's present with us right now. And sometimes if we don't like go back and look and remind ourselves of the way he's done that before, we forget right now um, that the same is true, even in this pandemic, even amongst everything going on right now. Well, and I think that that's, it's important that this isn't written in the past tense. Mm. You know, your point is well taken because how do I know that he leads me beside quiet waters, that he refreshes myself? I know that because he has done that but the, it's written in the present. This is what he does right now. Yeah. And so it's powerful that based on my history, and David does this in so many of his Psalms where he says, 
this has happened, this is happening, this is happening, but I know this about you and so I will worship you. What he's saying is because of the past experiences I have with you, Yahweh, I know that you refresh me. I know that you lead. I know that I don't have to be afraid and that your rod and your staff comfort me and I'm gonna be with you in your house forever. Um, and that's the beautiful thing is that, like you said, not only would it be a good idea, I think we all ought to be able to rewrite song for ourselves and do it in the present tense. You know, it might be challenging because there are going to be things for us that we're like, man, does he lead me? I know he has led me to green pastures to lay down, but right now, am I feeling that or am I feeling anxious and stressed? But yeah, that's a, that's a good word. I think it's interesting that this Psalms doesn't um, talk about the kind of the animal qualities of sheep, you know, how easily scared they can get or how they get lost or they can wander and um, it's talking more about the discipleship qualities of following the shepherd. If you follow him, you'll be next to green pastures. You'll be in green pastures. You'll be with, you'll be in front of the quiet waters, you know, like all the benefits of following him are listed out here. You won't be afraid when you go through the valley of shadow of death. So it's listing all the benefits of following the shepherd. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I want to say hi to John Green. And your whole community group is watching right now. Glad you guys could join us. And uh, if anyone does have a question about Psalm 23, about the book of Psalms, or just like a random question in general um, that we could discuss and help, um, that would be awesome. Feel free to, to write that question in the chat. Um, also, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel um, so that you get notifications for when we are live or when we post new uh, videos as a church or content for you um, as well. Um, and don't forget to vote on the best campus. Yes, go ahead. We'll see who wins. Um, you know, I, I was to your point, Matt, of uh, the whole idea of, of, of God is our shepherd, which puts us in the position of being sheep. And Pastor Steve talked about it a little bit this weekend of how like consider a sheep isn't a great animal to be like, it's, it's pretty lowly. Um, and so just thinking about American culture, Western culture, but also even more specifically American culture, we don't want to consider ourselves as sheep. Like we're, we're the in charge of our own destiny people. We're the rugged individualists. And so yeah. we are shepherds. And so we love the teaching about Psalm 23 that coaches us how to be good shepherds to other little sheep who need our care, but we're, we're still like, we're Americans, right? Mm -hmm. But I mean, this, this text forces you to consider yourself a weak, helpless, needing to be led sheep. And each, almost every line in, in Psalm 23 is the exact opposite of how American culture teaches us to live. Um, it places us as sheep. Um, it makes us lie down and, and rest when we're taught to be busy, busy, busy. Uh, quiet water is stillness and peace. Right. Yeah. Whereas we want to stir up controversy as Americans. We want to get on Facebook and tell everyone our opinion. Um, it, <laughs> it, it guides us along the right path for, for the Lord, for Jesus's namesake. We yeah. as Americans want to do things for our namesake. Uh, I could go on and on. Like each line in Psalm 23 is coaching us to live life. And like you said, posture our heart in a way that's completely countercultural to the society that we live in. And so I, it, I think, we often recognize it as beautiful, but then how many of us take it that next step 
and are, are really processing through how extreme and radical kind of like the Beatitudes is in, in Matthew five. Um, it's radical. It's like an upside down life that we're being coached and taught to live as Christ followers. I love that, Chris. I love the connection you're making about are the culture we live in and how it's the opposite of what we're reading here in the Psalm. And yet what we also know is if we will follow the shepherd, it leads to our own contentment. And so there's a real battle here, right? Because if we go the way of our culture at the end, it really won't satisfy our soul, which the, the Psalm writer is talking about here. Um, so we have to decide which way are we going to go? And the psalm is clear. We will find contentment when we follow after the shepherd. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything here is like, he leads me. Well, are you allowing yourself to be led? Are you following? He guides me. Are you allowing yourself to be guided by God? And, you know, especially now when we look at anxiety and fear and all the things that are rising up in so many of us, it's not just like, hey, you know, because there's a God, you will fear no evil. It's like, no, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And so we have to check ourselves and say, wait a second, am I going through my day with Jesus? Because if I'm not, if he's an afterthought, do I still get to count that I'm not going to fear any evil? Or is that if I'm with Jesus, if I'm not with Jesus, then you're going to, we're going to still have the same anxiety and fear as ever, but it's dependent on what you said, Matt, are we making sure that we're in alignment and with Jesus throughout the day? Cause then all these blessings come true. But if we're doing it on our own, then Jesus is like, well, you're not letting me be your shepherd. You're not allowing me to guide you, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's interesting. The New Testament describes Jesus in a couple different places as the good shepherd, as the great shepherd, yeah. and chief shepherd. <laughs> yeah. So there's this big emphasis in the New Testament of he is not just the good shepherd. He is the chief. Yeah. He is the great shepherd like don't lose this <laughs> this yeah. is a key part of how you live life yeah scott asked would it be safe to say that a sheep would be considered a highly dependent animal that requires a significant amount of trust in their shepherd to survive and keep them safe from harm absolutely yeah. jesus uh, tells the story of going after the lost sheep because they were known for getting lost yeah and, um this is such a good shepherd. He will go after the lost sheep. So even more reason to follow after him. He's so good. He will go and get the lost one. Yeah. I was driving in, in Greece years ago uh, when I was on vacation and this shepherd was leading his sheep across a road. And there were three sheep that kept on turning around and heading right into oncoming traffic where a car was clearly driving at. And the shepherd kept on patiently trying to get them back over to where they were safe. And the sheep would go there, stop for a second. They go right back into oncoming traffic over and over again. And I just thought, man, I could never be a shepherd. <laughs> and that's because sheep are not smart or they're rebellious or they just want to go head on with a car. But, you know, you look at this and it's like, yeah, sheep need a tremendous amount of care, which to be honest is a pretty accurate perception of who we are. We need a lot well, of care. Especially when you know, when we compare each other to each other, you know, it's, it's harder to, to think of ourselves that way. Um, because we tend to, in our pride to feel superior than others. And, but when we really think about how amazing and big and powerful the creator of the entire universe is, it's, it's yeah. easier to then, um, put, put ourselves in the position of being like, wait, yeah, in comparison to that, 
a sheep is a pretty fair uh, description of, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of who I am in, in that analogy for sure. So, and this is, you know, I, there was a, an old, old pastor that I used to work with. He used to say in every passage, always look for the good news. And the cool thing is there's another transition in this Psalm where we go from looking at God as the shepherd to it shifts in verse five to looking at God as our host, as the one who is giving us hospitality, who's welcoming us in, who's saying, hey, you're preparing a table for me. Uh, you're anointing my head. You're doing all these things that a host does for a family member that visits or someone that they love that visits. And there's this increased welcome and intimacy from like, hey, you guys are animals dependent on me to just feed you and take care of you. But then it moves into, and you're going to be friends and family members welcomed into my house. You know, I mean, that's where it ends. I will dwell in the house of the Lord of Yahweh forever. And that's what's so beautiful is who's going to invite a smelly, stinky, dumb sheep into their house. Mm -hmm. But God says, you know, you guys smell, you can't get along. You run into oncoming traffic, but I'm going to care for you and love you. And you're going to live in my house. You're not going to be out in the, you know, a stall anymore. Um, and that's, I look at this and think, what a beautiful progression where God says, yeah, this is what I do with you. I mean, that's what he's done with me. That's what he does with all of us. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, let me do, let me do theology nerdy stuff just real quick. And I don't want to lose our, our entire audience, but some of them will like it. <laughs> if you're with us in the, what does love require series? You know, we talked a lot about the difference between old covenant and new covenant. Um, and the, the mindsets that changed because the covenants were very different. The old covenant was God saying to the nation of Israel, uh, if you obey my commands, I will bless you. If you don't obey, I will punish you. And that was kind of the dynamic. That was the relationship. That was the agreement between the two and how the new, new covenant is completely different than that. Um, it's not conditional like that. David writes here. Now we're, he's writing, under the, the Mosaic law, he's writing in the old covenant times under the mentality of the old covenant, but yet there's not a shred of that in Psalm 23. It's all new covenant mindset. Like this is assured irregardless of David's performance. And so he has through prophetic gifting, through his closeness with the Lord, stepped out of the mindset of that old covenant and he's seen the bigger picture of what God is doing. And he's writing the Psalm as if he's in the promises of the new covenant that haven't even come yet. I don't know about you guys. I find that pretty cool and pretty amazing. And he doesn't always do that because there's a lot of Psalms where David is writing and it's very old covenant. It's yeah. like, God, I'm sorry. Don't kill me. Please kill these other people. You know, and it's, it's very like within the mindset of the old covenant. This one completely steps out of that. Um, and that makes me love this particular psalm even more so. Well, do you think, uh, to your point, this is such an intimate, I mean, I keep on saying intimate, but this is all relational. And David isn't writing any of these things as promises. He's writing these things. This is, this is about the character of God. I mean, just like you said, this is because David knows God. And he says, this is what God does. This is what he's like. It's almost as if someone said, what is, what is God like? What's Yahweh like? And he says, God, he's like a shepherd that leads me only to the good pastures. He's like the one who get, brings me peace. He protects me and he's only giving me good. So he's describing God. And so the character of Yahweh didn't change old covenant to new covenant. His, the way he relates to us became more intimate because Jesus came 
and we're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And so there's this whole transition where we have increased intimacy that at this time, I don't know how many people would have been able to recognize God's character in this outside of David, but we get to because we're in a whole new covenant. Um, and that's one of the things that I look at that's so beautiful is like you see this in the Old Testament where here's a guy who knows God incredibly well. And he describes God in a way that now we look at him and go, yeah, that does that not look like Jesus? Just like he said earlier. And so it's the beauty of recognizing that, hey, the covenant changes, but the creator of the universe is consistent in his character. Mm -hmm. Janet says irregardless is not a word, Adrian. So did I say please, irregardless? Please speak better, okay? <laughs> Wait, did I really say irregardless or did I say regardless? I, I hate when people that, say I irregardless. Said that. I probably said that. That's, that's got to be a point for Danville. I mean, I think on. that is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hope it wasn't sure. me. Um, you know, another thing that stands out to me about this text is the there's like a patience that is existing throughout. Like there's a yeah. there's because Jesus is leading. There's there's kind of a waiting implied in a lot of these uh, these scriptures, um, and a, and a lack of control, but a, but a, like this patiently waiting and following when the yeah. timing is right vibe that I get, even though he doesn't say that specifically um and it it kind of reminds me of where we're at as a church right now just in the sense of waiting uh what is the future over the next two or three months or the next six months of cornerstone going to look like um is it going to be what it's been the last two months which is just online are we going to begin to gather again in small groups and are we going to open up our buildings um and even like some people are you know, there's diff there's there's such a spectrum of opinions, right? You know, some people are emailing saying, "Open the doors now! You can't let the government tell you what to do." And and other people are like, "Don't you dare put people's health at risk!" Right? And then and then everything in between. And so we we, you know, as I read this, um, obviously it doesn't refer reference this directly, but it it does remind me to patiently wait on the Lord's leading, and to not rush yeah. into something that I'm. I'm forcing or um, that I feel like, man, we're losing control. So we got to try to make something happen because that also, it, it, it makes the, the cool things that God is doing in this moment. It's almost like we're looking past the amazing things, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and, it's like, it's like you just said, Chris, I mean, it's like what we've been talking about so far. Sheep are supposed to follow the guidance of the shepherd. <laughs> yeah. That's what this whole Psalm is about. That's what yeah. sheep do. You just follow the guidance and the leading of the shepherd. He's so good. All you have to do is just follow him. Yeah. You don't have to tell the shepherd what to do. You just follow him. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have to, what do we do as sheep is we have to get good at listening. We have to be able to recognize the leading, you know, and that's a little counterintuitive as well for us. Yeah. But that's one of the things that I've always loved about Cornerstone. I mean, when I first got to Cornerstone, we were just about to launch our Brentwood campus. And I remember asking Steve, wait, why are we doing it now? And his response was like, well, we've been praying about it. And God has said to several people that now's the time. And I remember I was coming from a church that would have done a bunch of studies and had discussions and all kinds of different things. But I thought, what a beautiful biblical way to actually respond is to say, well, we're going to pray and we're going to listen to the shepherd. And if he says, don't go, we're not going to go yet. And so there had been waiting before Brentwood launched. And then when it was time, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, a bunch of us have heard God say, 
you know, it now is the time. And so now we're going to go. And I just think like, man, that's so tremendously healthy, but also to be honest, uh, so tremendously rare, you know, for us to experience. Yeah. Janet said it was me, Adrian. I said irregardless. (laughs) I mean, I don't remember saying that at all, but I think we have a recording of this. I'm pretty sure. It's only an issue because almost everyone else in my family is a teacher. So if I start making up words, I'm going to hear it from my mom and my sister and my brother (laughs) who are going to be like, we taught you better than this. Oh, that's awesome. Walnut Creek might get a point after all, maybe. Yeah, we got to take that Danville <laughs> point away, you know, so. I don't all know right. if I'm more excited about us getting points or Danville losing points. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I appreciate you guys joining. I think we're going to cut it off here. Um, I, it's just, it's so refreshing to sit in these texts at this point in time yeah. as we're at home. Um, so I appreciate you guys sharing your heart and your thoughts um, as we unpack this even more. And I'm looking forward to what's next as we have a couple more weeks in the book of Psalms. And then we have a new series we're launching that um, I'm starting to get very excited about, but we're not ready to announce it yet. So stay tuned for what's coming up as a church as we head into the summer months. It's going to be good though. So anyways, thanks everyone uh, who's watching live. We appreciate you joining us. And then everyone who's going to listen to this in the next week or so. um, Thanks for being part of this. And we will talk to you all soon. See you guys. See you guys. See ya.